Well, there's there's always the story that Phil Wallace tells about the um, uh, the summer student that we had coming in, and um, she was Chinese, and her name was Shimei, and. Phil came in one day and he said, um, the new student that's coming this uh, next week, um, and I looked at him and I said, she may. And he said, <laughs> no, the, the one that, that's coming next week. And I said, yeah, she may. And he goes, I thought it was a done deal. I already have a computer for her. And, and he said, and now you're telling, telling me she might not come? And I said, no, she's coming. And, and it was like, who's on first? You know, we went back and forth. And finally, I said, Phil, the woman's name is She May. Welcome to ORAU at 75, a special series celebrating ORAU's 75th anniversary from the creators of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. We stand on the shoulders of scientific pioneers like Dr. William G. Pollard and Dr. Alvin Weinberg, who built and grew what started as the Oak Ridge Institute for Nuclear Studies. Learn about the history of OREU through the words and memories of the scientific leaders, experts, and everyday people who have made OREU what it is today, a university consortium on the cutting edge of the nation's scientific enterprise. Happy Wednesday and welcome to Further Together, the ORU podcast. I'm your host, Michael Holtz, and today we have the second part of mine and Jenna Harpenau's conversation with Dr. Donna Craigle, Senior Scientific Advisor here at ORU. The first part was very interesting and riveting, and I hope that you find the second part of our conversation equally interesting. Enjoy. So you've been part of standing up these amazing programs. You've been at the organization for 40 years, nearly. Uh Um, You're a woman in epidemiology. (laughs) And again, you know, you talked about being in um, grad school as, you know, one of the few. Um, Did that continue when you came? I mean, I, I sense just from who I know like works in the beryllium light, you know, that, that has changed a little bit, but Mm -hmm. uh, there weren't a lot of women in science 40 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, um, yeah, I, the, the mix at ORU was definitely different than when I was in graduate school. Um, you know, Dr. Lushbaugh was very, um, pro woman. Uh, and, you know, he said, if you can do the job, do it. Um, and also, um, Betsy Ellis, who, uh, was in the program had been there before me. And when, um, when I came to ORU, she had just been accepted at the university of North Carolina to get her PhD. And so I took her office and she took my apartment in Chapel Hill. And and, uh, when she finished her dissertation, she came back. And so, you know, she and I have been, you know, tag teaming it for many, many years. And so uh, and then, of course, I worked with Dr. Gail Littlefield, who was the head of cytogenetics. And uh, and so it just never I I didn't even think about gender okay. um, <laughs> when I was at work. Talk to us a little bit about the culture um, and kind of how you've seen it shift or change for better or for worse over the past mm-hmm. 40 years at ORU. 
Um, in some ways, there are a lot of things that are still the same uh, because it still is a government functioning organization with adhering to government rules and, um, you know, and things like that. And um, if anything, it's gotten a little more strict because, you know, when I first came, there wasn't any such thing as a time card. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we were still writing our requests to uh, take vacation on, on triplicate paper and sending them over, you know, so, so those things have definitely changed. But um, I think uh, when I first came, there was a lot of attention to um, training and um, like week long training in organizational culture um, uh, I remember one class called Modelnetics, and it was, I don't even know what it was, but it was like how to behave in the workplace. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and then, and then there was a period where that wasn't so much in vogue, you know, and, and then, um, about the time that we started initiating time cards and things of that sort, people started paying a lot more attention to, um, uh, supervision, um, you know, doing those kinds of things correctly. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we've always had the same strive to do work, to do science and things like that. But um, the, there started to be a more humanistic point of view in terms of, you know, how we treat each other um, and, uh, and appreciating other um, generations in the workplace, uh, appreciating other cultures, ethnicities in the workplace, you know, things that you didn't really think about because you thought, well, I don't need to think about that, you know? And then it was like, well, maybe I do. And so, right. uh, you know, so it just, and, and the other thing was that there, there came a lot more, um, especially with Andy, uh, a lot more um, clarity throughout the organization, a lot more openness and sharing of information and um, making sure that people knew um, why they were doing something uh, and how it fit into the larger, um, the larger part of ORU. And I think that is has been very, very valuable for a lot of people. Um, you know, opening up of things like the mail report and, um, you know, newsletters and, and uh, quarterly uh, staff meetings. Uh, you know, those things, um, we, we had monthly scientific meetings in the medical division when I first came. And it was usually some you know, high level scientist giving a talk. And I swear, sometimes the only words I got were rat or mouse. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you had to go to them and you <laughs> hoped there was something you would get. Um, so, so that was the kind of meetings in the beginning. And now the meetings are much more um, informative, uh, interactive, making sure that people know what they need to know and, um, know that where to go in the organization and that people care about them, things like that. So I think that's the biggest difference I've seen. Talk about some of the, for lack of a better word, the luminaries of 
or a history like Dr. Lushbaugh and Dr. Littlefield. And mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've had the opportunity to work with some pretty amazing people, at least as far as our organization is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about just some of that and who some of those people were. Well, Dr. Lushbaugh, um, of course, was there when I came and um, he was a remarkable mentor. Um, he just, he, he basically turned me loose. Uh, and he said, here's the job. Um, and, um, when I, and it was so funny because when I had first gone there, um, I had stated a, um, salary amount that I wanted and he gave me my salary amount minus $2,000 as my starting salary, which I thought wasn't too bad. Um, but, um, so, but as a mentor, you know, he would call me over to his office, um, maybe every other week or so, and we would sit down and have a meeting and he would just talk about science and things he was thinking about. And, um, you know, stories of when he was a coroner, coroner and, um, and instrumentation he wished that he had had the availability of during his scientific career. And so they would be like freewheeling conversations. And, you know, he would pose some hype. We're like, what if, uh, what if we looked at this or how could we look at that? And so it was just a great opportunity to continue growing in a number of different areas. And, you know, he always kept my mind engaged in, in things and, um, and I had an equal, uh, you know, desire to dig into what this job was. And so, you know, I remember sitting down with each of the groups that were in the small group that I was in and spending like a half a day with each group and just saying, tell me what you do, how you do it, um, and, you know, why you do it. And, uh, and then I would like write up a little thing and send it to him. And um, at the end of three months, he gave me the other $2,000. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just like so unexpected. He was just like that, you know, he was just like so unexpected and so um, keen to make sure that my mind was engaged and that I was enjoying the job and I had what I needed to do a good job. And so, you know, that he was just um, like a scientific papa, (laughs) so to speak. Um, And he could be gruff and, um, uh, you know, and sometimes a little crude. I'm not sure he would have lasted in today's workplace uh, for for very long. Um, but uh, he he was a genius, and uh, and so I really enjoyed that. Dr. Littlefield, I really enjoyed working with because she was a pioneer in her field in cytogenetics, and um, she traveled all over the world uh, because she was such an expert. And um, so, you know, mostly we we talked about not cytogenetics things because um, I really didn't work really closely with her until the beryllium lab. But, you know, we, we talked about um, 
over at youth leadership, um, you know, and, and sometimes we lamented together the fact that things weren't always as transparent as we wished they were. And that, you know, sometimes people above us um, had no idea about science and uh, what needed to be done. And, um, and that, uh, you know, we were pedaling as hard as we could and we, you know, we wished that we knew more and that they understood more. So, um, and, and that wasn't Dr. Lushbaugh. Dr. Lushbaugh had, had gone, uh, had retired uh, by that time. But um, anyway, so, so that was, that was super to work with Gail. Uh, Dr. Shirley Fry um, was my boss for many years after Dr. Lushbaugh left. And, um, you know, she was uh, very British and um, she had her ideas about, you know, the way things should be done. Uh, but more than anything, I think um, she was just wonderful to have around because, um, you know, I had, um, by the time I had been there four years, uh, I had two kids and, uh, she was a working mom. She had a kid in high school and two older sons that were kind of out of the nest, but, um, you know, she really, um, uh, just helped me through, you know, being a, a working person, uh, working mom, you know, making sure I wasn't taking on too much and that, uh, that things were taken care of at home. And, um, and, uh, and it was just nice to work with her because she knew that, you know, some of the struggles that, that, uh, I had, and they weren't terrible struggles because my husband is amazingly supportive, always was. Um, you know, if, if a kid was sick, we had kind of like a possession clock in basketball. And so it was like, you stay home today, but if, if, if the kid has to stay home tomorrow, then it's my turn. And mm -hmm. we flipped it back and forth. It wasn't always me that had to stay home. And so uh, that was pretty awesome too. That's good. So that kind of leads me back to kind of the culture. A lot of people that have been at ORU for a number of years always talk about the family feeling that it has and how, mm -hmm. you know, it, everyone really took care of each other and, and mm -hmm. everyone was really close. Can you talk kind of about that? Cause I know that's not always the case at, in organization. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, at ORU that we all, um, got to know each other's families really well. We didn't really socialize outside of work because we were all so busy with our families outside of work, but uh, we all um, shared our, you know, ups and downs and, um, and when things were going bad, uh, it, people were always running around taking up a collection, uh, you know, for somebody whose whose parent was ailing in Texas and they needed to fly down there and, um, you know, needed a little extra cash for the plane trip or, you know, just all kinds of things like that, you know, get and um, pulling together to to do Christmas families um, was really fun. Um, having lunches together in the conference room occasionally, or um, you know, taking somebody out to, uh, for their birthday lunch. Um, you know, I don't know if other places do that or not, but we did it big time. Um, 
And it, it just makes, when you sit down to lunch with somebody and you talk with them and they're telling you about, you know, some silly story about their dog or whatnot. And uh, it just makes it better in the workplace mm-hmm. um, when you interact with them and, and you can ask a question about, you know, hey, how's your, how's your grandmother doing? Uh, everything's still okay there? And so um, it makes it a more enriching um, atmosphere. When, mm-hmm. when you get that close. Let's talk about like favorite memories that you have. We kind of started talking about it in the beginning, but what is probably the funniest thing that you can remember ever happening to you at ORU throughout your past 40 years? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, there's, there's always the story that Phil Wallace tells about the, um, uh, the summer student that we had coming in and um, she was Chinese and her name was Shimei. And Phil came in one day and he said, um, the new student that's coming this uh, next week. Um, and I looked at him and I said, Shimei. And he said, <laughs> no, the, the one that, that's coming next week. And I said, yeah, Shimei. And he goes, I thought it was a done deal. I already have a computer for her. And, and he said, and now you're telling, telling me she might not come? And I said, no, she's coming. And, and it was like, who's on first? You know, we went back and forth. And finally, I said, Phil, the woman's name is Shimei. And he was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, so that that was a great one um i don't know the mostly the the things that i remember are the kind of the warm fuzzy things you know the um um you know just the camaraderie the uh things like that um so donna now you serve in this role as ombudsman for Mm -hmm the company. Talk about that and why, um, basically what that role means and um, why it's important now. Um, to me, the role is just an extra place for people to go um, who need advice or to share a situation um, and uh, just a shoulder to cry on sometimes. Um, And uh, so I think the biggest part of it is listening, um, uh, saying back to the person, you know, what it is they're saying to me, um, and then giving advice to them in terms of um, either behavior or um, remedy or, you know, what they might think about doing. Um, and uh, a lot of times, uh, to me, it feels like reinforcing our leadership standards that we put together. Um, you know, uh, trying to make sure that, that people, when they bring some of these things up, they are exhibiting the leadership principles that, that our organization espouses. They're not stepping over things. They're, you know, they're trying to uh, resolve an issue within the framework of uh, things that we have available to us. And so I think that it's, um, 
it gives people uh, like one stepping stone before they go to HR with something uh, to see if they can work out a situation on their own or um, to, you know, and, and it's not always conflict that people bring to me. Sometimes sure. it's, um, it's wondering if senior leadership is aware of something. Um, and, uh, and so sometimes I provide a conduit to senior leadership to provide that information anonymously to them uh, and say, I don't know if you knew about this particular situation. Uh, is there anything else you could share with me that I could also share with um, someone that's, that brought this to me? And so it's just because um, sometimes people just are reluctant to bring things up themselves, uh, especially if it's to senior leadership or they, or if they perceive that they're going to be seen as being a squeaky wheel or, um, you know, needy or, or something like that. Um, and so, uh, it, it's really just listening and, um, and then, you know, digging down into 40 years of, um, of employment and the more recent leadership standards, which play a big role in, in some of the things that we talk about um, and, and just helping people work through um, their thoughts about a situation and work through a plan on how to deal with it. That's great. And it's anonymous. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're sort of the keeper of the, <laughs> you know, of the information and kind of, in a way, a counselor almost of you yeah. know, maybe how to handle a situation or shit mm -hmm. information, et cetera. So yeah. um, kind of an official, unofficial channel for, because, you know, official channels can often be difficult for people. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, you know, people can be intimidated by, mm -hmm. you know, maybe taking something up, up their specific chain, but right. if they have someone they can bounce an idea off of, it makes it a little easier. Mm-hmm to do so i'm glad that and i do i really enjoy it um uh someone asked me if it was if um if it was tough on me to do but not really i i i enjoy talking to people and kind of helping them think through things so it's not onerous for me at all <laughs> good well and you know you mentioned you have you know sort of 40 years of experience with the company mm -hmm. so you've you've seen a lot and, you know, have seen other people go through a lot. So oh, there's a, there's yeah. a lot to lean into. Um, yeah. There's things I've seen. I can't even talk about. We're sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Donna, is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to share? Um, any question I haven't asked that. Um, I just think that my whole time at ORU, to me, uh, has seemed to fly by. Uh, there were a few years that were my least favorite years, but uh, in general, um, it has seemed to fly by. And I think it goes back to what I said before, is that things have been constantly changing. And um, I have been very thankful to ORU uh, for the opportunity to move up in the organization like I did. Uh, when I first went there, I never envisioned ending up being a senior vice president. Um, it just wasn't something um, that I would have thought about. Um, and 
I know that when Ron Townsend left, he asked me, or when he was thinking about leaving, he asked me, would I want to apply for uh, that position? Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, dear Lord, no. My toes would curl up. I that you know, because to me, that would be leaving my science and um, and be 100 percent administrative. And so the path that I took in the organization for me was perfect because I still um, got to do the science, got to review the science, got to, you know, dabble in the lab. And and yet um, I did take on a heavy administrative load. Um, but, you know, it, that's what Andy asked me to do, and I did it, and um, I don't regret it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know the, um, but I just never thought that that I would be a senior vice president with two hundred and fifty people uh, working under me in such incredibly diverse areas of of work and and fascinating uh, scientific work. So uh, I think that's that's to me is the sum of of my career awesome well thank you so much for you're welcome spending this time with us and letting us get to know a little bit about you and your history and Mm -hmm. the history of the organization at the same time Mm -hmm. you're welcome thank you for listening to orau at 75 a special series celebrating orau's 75th anniversary to learn more about our history visit the About section of our website, oreu.org, and scroll down to Our History.